Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Fundamentalists Podcast. My name is Elliot Morgan, and I'm here with my good friend, as well as former housemate Peter Rollins, uh, who is a philosopher and a speaker from Northern Ireland, a.k.a. Belfast. Pete, it's a very bittersweet episode. Yes, it is indeed. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Not I think really. I'll probably end up seeing you more. <laughs> I think you're going to, yeah. Um, so basically, for those who didn't listen to previous episodes, I am moving and Pete is moving. So we have spent two years together, yeah, that's living crazy. together, and fluent in. Truly, best roommate situation yes. I've ever had. Absolutely. So thank 100%. you very much for that, and um, I'll pay rent at some point. Um, I just thank you for spotting me for 12 months. Um, <laughs> yeah. Very nice of you. Uh, and yeah, so this is the last episode ever in this um, <clears throat> this apartment here in North Hollywood, California. So we will no longer, next time we do this, we will no longer be staring upon a Denny's a ho- Holiday Inn and a used car lot. A massive Ford second-hand yeah. car lot. And I believe some kind of death museum is yeah. that club with a giant skull I've on the I've always wanted to go over there. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Apparently it's very artistic and cool. Maybe that's what we should do next week at some point, like a, on, early in the week. Just yeah, go down yeah, there yeah. and have a drink and see what it's so like. So it's like a dive bar type thing? I have like, no idea. <laughs> I've never been. So that could be our goodbye like, yeah. party. Um, thank you for all the positive feedback on the last episode, folks. We we got a bunch of good people saying good things yep, on the last one. I liked nice. it a lot. We were back in form after the Q&A that uh, we won't th- talk about. Yes. And this particular episode is about... Alcoholics Anonymous, and so at, to celebrate Alcoholics Anonymous, you and I are having a drink currently. So not like us, very yes, unusual, very unusual. Yeah. And we ourselves are not um, uh, members. I, are you a member of Alcoholics Anonymous? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you go to meetings. Can I yeah. pop in and out? I don't really know. Um, but we're going to talk about it from all sorts of different angles. And to begin, I'm going to just go through real fast and give everyone a cursory. Uh, or, or a, a what do you call it? A refresher yeah. on the steps to Alcoholics Anonymous because right. I think everyone thinks that they know them, and I sometimes get them confused with the stages of grieving. <laughs> um, make sure we're actually recording. Okay, so step denial. one: denial. Denial. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Step one: we admitted we were powerless over alcohol; that our lives had become unmanageable, which is kind of like the opposite of denial. Right? Yeah. So much in the same way. It's like the reverse. I actually wasn't even listening. I just checked. Out yeah, I could not, tell. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I was empty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Wow, that one is beautiful. Step six, we were in, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Steps interesting. Step seven, humbly ask him, a.k.a. God, however you understand him, to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, make a list of all persons we'd harmed and became willing to make amends with them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the 
power to carry that out. I myself zoned out for that one. So yeah. I hope you guys were listening. Step 12, <laughs> having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Um, so that's the 12 steps folks for specifically for alcohol, but, um, they've been adopted into basically every addiction I think that you can think of, right? It's kind of yeah, like a template. Different versions of the CMA. Um, you've talked about alcoholics anonymous. It was one of the first talks. I think maybe the first talk I ever saw of you, uh, when you were at Fuller, this was years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was married. At, I was at 2014, something like wow, that. Yeah. And um, I was like, "This guy's here. He writes all these books. Let's go see him." And That's online, um, you can actually watch that. Seminar yeah, it's, it was online. a great one. Zombies and all that. Oh you yeah, know, Salvation for Zombies or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sacrilegious stuff like that. And uh, and so you, I think, mentioned it there. But I've also heard you mention it in other stuff that you talk about. It's kind of like a running theme of your stuff so what do you think what's your yeah. your hot take on it hot take on it well for, the weird thing is first of all is like uh it's not my interest in aa isn't on the 12 steps at all okay right although they're interesting and we can cool. talk about them definitely but the, the the reason why aa is interesting to me there's two reasons why i think it's philosophically and therapeutically interesting and uh we'll i'll take one to start with and it's before you get to the steps so this is the key, you know, people know the steps, but um, before you get to step one, there's step zero, and step zero is the really fascinating one for me, and it's the one that isn't talked about very much. Well, it's the fun one, because you're still drinking. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's my favorite step. Not going step. to AA, yeah. and just going to the pub. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm at step zero. Yeah, I think that's minus one here, step mm-hmm. minus one. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, step zero is kind of where you go into the room, and you sit there and you don't have to say anything or do anything. And basically all, all that happens is after a week or it might be after a year, you say your name and you say you're an alcoholic in a community of people who accept you for who you are and don't ask you to change. There's no judgment. There's no, okay, you have to do X, Y, and Z. You have to do these steps. You anything. do that. That's the only thing you do though? Well, at the very beginning, that's all that's required. It's not even required. Like, literally, you can sit there and not participate at all. Nobody's yeah. going to force you to do that. But the first step is when they go around and you say your name and then you say you're an alcoholic. And that's got loads of interesting stuff connected to it. Um, it First of all, it is like where you get your own personal narrative which is often i'm not an alcoholic i could stop drinking anytime i want you know the false story you tell yourself about yourself you kind of like get rid of that and you're just honest about yourself the contradiction that is in your life the alcoholism and you don't change you don't do anything you just experience grace which is this place where you don't have to do anything you just are able to be honest about your own contradiction in a community of people who accept you and I like that because for me, that grace is the most powerful mechanism for change. Sure. Which is if you want to change, the first thing to do is not try to change. Yeah. Is just be able to be honest about your contradiction. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. So that's step, that's why I call it step zero. It's not called step zero, but I think it should be called step zero. Yeah. But, you know, it's a, it's, or it's, I think it's the most vital bit because if that isn't in place, the steps aren't going to work. Because if you're trying to force yourself to give up drinking, um, you're not. You're often going to get in your own way. But if you're weirdly at a place where you don't have to change, where people just accept you for who you are, you're able to admit your own antagonism in the community, 
when you fully are able to accept your acceptance, that's what grace means, to accept that you're accepted. Um, when you're able to accept your acceptance in the group, um, that's actually what's going to precipitate uh, a real fundamental change. Um, that's beautiful, man. It kind of it reminds me of uh, the uh, the episode we did, the last episode on learning to think well and how it's not about the act of thinking well so much as it is wanting to think oh, well yeah. and sort of being like, so it's like that step before that happens. Yeah. And it also kind of reminds me of like, everything in terms of like the we get overwhelmed by certain ideas i.e giving up alcohol entirely and then it's like oh no you just go you just start here and then you build incrementally and it's common sense and everybody knows it but there's also something so profound in it that i think it gets it gets not looked at because everyone goes straight to the z and not the a or step zero as you would would call it yeah but. and all of these like a lot of self-help is of obviously trying to get you from a to b and so it's it's about trying to how do you move from one place to another yeah and this notion of grace is weirdly the idea that you'll move further if you don't move at all that actually the first step is not power because power is what drives you from one place to another but an embrace of powerlessness which is kind of like not moving a kind of merely acknowledging um, what, where you are, and what's going on in your life. I mean, that kind of is step one, right? Like, because the step one is literally going, I am powerless to do to handle this thing. Yeah. Well, obviously, alcohol is the thing that it's it's based on, but like, it's it is. So, would you? Step one is kind of step zero. Like, it's well, still, but I know slight dirt. Yes. You're not articulating it yet. Like, step zero is still before you're even ready to say that you are this thing. Then, right? right? Like, yeah. you're not actively giving because step one is actively giving up the your power, your own. It's not accepting your own powerlessness. It is acknowledging that you have something that is that you don't need to accept your own powerlessness yet. You don't even need to do that. You can still just, is that what you're saying? Well, yes. Well, I'm say, saying this because this is, this is interesting. Right. We'll get it. We'll dive into this. Like, um, I want to give an example from a TV show, but it's just very new, and I might do a spoiler. So I'll pretend. I what show? And I won't tell you, and then I can do it, and I'll change the names and everything so people don't know what show I'm talking about. Um, Is that allowed? Is that how you do it? You're in the pop culture world. What do you do when you're talking about a show that's very new, and you're going to give away something that's at the end? I'll just change everything. But it'll, but I'll, but I'll keep, I was really racking my brain, like, what would I do? I guess I wouldn't spoil it. You can't think of another example? That's, well, what show is it? You can at least no, say no, I'm not going to say because then I won't be able to use it. I'll be able to hide it completely. No one will know what I'm talking about. No one will know the show I'm talking okay. about. This is right. like when, when this is like that book I read, Love's Executioner, where he masks the identity of his yeah, patients. Yeah, that's what therapists do all the time. Yeah, exactly. You're doing that except with Netflix. Yes, exactly. Or Hulu. or Hulu. <laughs> we don't or, know. Or Amazon Prime. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Making a comeback. <laughs> so yeah, because step zero is almost like it's the first thing is to is acknowledging what you know is true, but you haven't even been able to admit to yourself. So in step one, you say I'm powerless to stop this. But in step zero, it's when basically and it's called denial, right? Denial is you know obviously one of the defense mechanisms, and the way denial works is you deny something that you are and of course it's complicated because if, if if someone says to me are you an alcoholic and i say no somebody can say to me oh well that's what an alcoholic would say and then you say no i'm definitely not an alcoholic and then they go well that's definitely what an alcoholic would say but denial is different denial is when you deny something when you're not even asked like if you're at a party and you're going to go to get more drinks 
and you say, oh, I'm going to go down to the shop to get a few more drinks. Like, I'm not an alcoholic or anything. Well, that's yeah. an alcoholic. Yeah. So it's it's when you're denying, <laughs> yeah, when you're denying without anybody even having to ask, right? Yeah. There's something that, that you're not able to admit to yourself. So that very first, just sitting in the circle is this weird moment where you're able to get rid of your false narrative yeah. and you're able just to see the contradiction that you are before you even admit you're powerless to it before you can even do anything it's literally just seeing seeing and acknowledging verbally the contradiction and here's the trick so in this show that i was watching right near the but it's a very common thing in loads of movies let's call him like a fun name that Jack people like walter white walter white well i need two names but you get the joke that walter white's from breaking bad no what's the joke well, oh, Walter uh, right? so I was making people. Laugh. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not breaking bad. If you was... don't laugh and somebody else doesn't, it works, and people probably didn't laugh. No one. Um, sorry, I, uh, folks. Bernie Sanders isn't on our podcast. Yeah. Did you watch the Joe no, Rogan no, Bernie what? Sanders thing? I didn't. Did you know Bernie Sanders went on Joe I Rogan? Heard, I heard the other day, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I haven't watched it. Oh. Um, anyway, so speaking of oh, yeah. step zero. So, okay, yeah, getting yes. back. So, uh, in this show, um, Jack uh, is staring at Jill. And both Jack and Jill know something. Um, but so both people know. I hope it's Peep Show. I hope you're masking Peep Show. <laughs> you're just, just, the truth is that you don't want to mention Peep Show again. I, like, yeah. It, by the way, too if you're many doing times. the fundamentalist drinking game, we are about 13 minutes in. Take a drink. Thank you so much. We oh, did yeah. mention Peep Show. Peep Show. Okay. Mm. Um, anyway. Oh, yeah. You know what? There's a good example of this in, that, in Drive. I think in Drive, right? Where basically you have someone who seems invincible, right? Someone who the driver. Um, no, in, in this in driver, it was the. Wow, I'm derailing everything that you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> just like everything you're, I'm just knocking it over. You're like, I actually have a point. Uh, I will shut up and let you talk. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, you, in, in in various movies, you'll have some figure who's like seems invincible. They're just walking around. They can't be killed. They're carrying some sort of secret, and there's a point where. They know the secret. Uh, the, the other people around them know the secret. But it's only when it's verbalized that something changes. Mm-hmm. It's even like in a couple where someone's having an affair. The person knows they're having an affair. Their partner knows they're having an affair. But they're like, you tell me. I want you to tell me. And it's when it's verbalized, this change happens. So in movies, often the, the figure is only able to be killed once they admit what's already happened it's a motif you see all the times that that ultimately we can all know something but not know it and we can and until it's verbalized um we are caught up in it until until even though we're we all know it until it's actually verbalized so in, with alcoholics often everybody knows the person's an alcoholic even they know it but until they verbalize it there isn't this structural shift isn't that crazy yeah, man, life is beautiful. There is, it is bonkers to me. The theme of my life, if I thus far, mm-hmm. is just say the shit, like just say it out loud, and then go from there. Yeah. But like, if you don't say it, and it's like, especially I feel this way with family and discussing things with family and like antagonisms that exist um, because it's such a high octane thing when it, when it's your family, like just. And I also come from a, the South where the South is very, like, reserved and very, like, we don't talk about those things. Like, we don't, you know, what will people think? Like, it's very, like, debutante kind of shit. And so, like, I deviated immensely from that. But it is insane to me that in every single 
walk of life that I've experienced thus far in my 37 years of life, uh, that it always speaking things out loud is always beneficial in my experience. Yeah. Maybe not stuff that's like salacious. Obviously timing is a thing and elegant. Like you want to be yeah. aware of your surroundings and not a horrible person, but just being forthright is also something I struggle with. So that's probably, yeah. and everybody struggles with it. Cause it's, it's, it, but it's like, um, it's not that people think that naming stuff will cause a crisis, but really all it does is bring a crisis that already exists to the surface. So in the example that I was going to give, basically you have a body and the body is scared and everybody, the viewer knows that this person is scared. The other characters in the Mm -hmm. show know that this character is scared just in this last scene. Uh, But she or he will not die until they admit it so this person says tell me what you're feeling right now tell me what you're feeling and eventually she says i'm scared and then he kills her and the the kind of what you see kind of in a in a televisual sense is that um even though everybody knows it she is invincible until she admits what everybody already knows and once she admits that she becomes vulnerable yeah, and then she can be killed what so you don't say is your armor yeah yeah, no, what you good. don't, what you hold on to, you're like, I got this, this, this. No yeah. one knows this, this, and this. And that's why, that's and why you I, feel powerless when you say everything. Yeah, and that's then, when change uh, happens. And then, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you're just beautiful examples of this in kind of various cinematic ways. So that's by the way, Hegel is the, as, to bring a philosophical point in. This is the reason why I like this in in AA is because Hegel is different from most other philosophers because most philosophy denies contradiction. Most philosophy is about saying that any contradiction in life uh, is just apparent. And if we think enough about it or we work hard enough, we can get rid of the contradiction. Hegel's great insight was that contradiction is part of life. So within AA... And then psychoanalysis took that and they were like, well, actually, everything is contradiction. And if you say right, you mean left. And if you say blue, you mean red. And if you're like... <laughs> pretty, well, pretty much psychoanalysis <laughs> is uh, the inheritor of Hegel. Psychoanalysis yeah. can be summed up by, mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> yes. That's what your response is. Every psychoanalysis goes, mm-hmm, sure. Yeah, that's what you think. That's what you think you think. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's, and this is what the difference between... This is what a, sim- a symptom is a contradiction in your life. But people, counselling goes, generally counsellors and some psychotherapists think that the idea is to get rid of the symptom. But in psychoanalysis, the point is each symptom, you resolve it and you find a deeper contradiction in the person's life. And you get to a point where you find the deepest contradiction in the individual's life. And the point is not to get rid of that contradiction, but to learn to live with it and even enjoy it. So, and that's called the santom. So it's a... That's what Hegel's doing. And I, I see um, an element of yeah, this in AA. Right. I stopped believing in the same time when I was about 13. Is that right? Yeah, I so. <laughs> 13-year-old still believing in the same um, So I had a thought. Okay, yeah. So speaking the thing, and then this, you have this uh, example of this incredibly captivating television show that you're not talking about. Um, I, was, uh, I, went I really to a, enjoyed it, i got to say. I went to a concert on Tuesday. Do you yeah. know this? Did you see anything about I didn't post much about it. I went to a concert. Oh, no, no, but I saw Grace put up a little clip of a concert. Oh, did she? So yeah. I couldn't work out who it was. Um, so it was a band called Live Okay. Um, from the 90s. You know who Live is? No. You actually might like them. Um, okay. I will send you some, some of their stuff. But growing up, my brother was a huge Live fan, and so I, by osmosis, learned apparently every word to every song. 
more so I would say than 90% of the people in a packed Greek theater. Have you been to the Greek theater, by the way? No. It's so great. It's dope as heck. But um, so we're, we're, I'd never been, and we're there, and live comes on, and it's all these songs from my childhood that I love. It's like, and I'm just, I know a word. I'm like, hell yeah, this is awesome. And like the guy's still killing it. He's an awesome frontman performer. But they were not the opening act, but it was a co-headline bill. But it, um, it they did go first, mm-hmm. and then Bush came on. You know, Bush is yes and no. I know the name, but I can't think of any songs. So Bush is well, yeah. Welcome to the concert. So it was <laughs> Bush comes on. It's Gavin Ronsdale who was married to Gwen Stefani for a time. Oh, I love Gwen Stefani. I mean, right? Yeah. And ugh, gosh, I mean, what, what, what way, way to ruin a good thing, mm. uh, uh, Gavin? But um, he uh, he comes out and he's he is. You know, the the band starts, and bands start very high energy. They do a song that everyone knows. They get the crowd like, heck yeah. So they play a song called Machine Head, which is probably one of their two biggest hits. And it's an awesome song. And I'm like, holy crap, play Machine Head. Uh, it's also one of the two songs I kind of knew. So I went from knowing every song from live to like knowing not nothing about Bush. Gavin Morales comes out. He's incredibly attractive for a guy who is an older rock star. Like mm. he's ripped to the point that it's like he must be vegan or something. He's got that body that's just like maybe he doesn't drink water. It's like everything. I never looks... hear people say that like he's really ripped. He must be a vegan. That's... No, it's that look. <laughs> you know, you you'll yeah. see it. You'll start seeing it. It is a type of look when yeah, you all are those like weightlifters downstairs in the gym. They must all be vegan. No, no, it's different. <laughs> yeah. That's why you should look up. Go watch Batman Begins and the uh-huh. way that um, that Christian Bale looks in Batman Begins because he got so big so fast. He looks puffy. Yeah, he's buff, but he looks puffy. There's a t- other type that's all lean, and I do think it's it's like some kind of weird. It's, maybe it's like no, not no, that's, eating that's bread. That's called heroin. Or it could be heroin. Yeah, Who yeah, knows? I think that's heroin. But he's like a yeah. sexy looking guy. He's got this like, you know, sleeveless shirt on, and we're there, and then Grace just goes, oh my, this is an attractive man. Why did you Why did you tell me this? This guy is very attractive. Now, cut to, you know, you zoom in later, and it was a little, he's looking a little rough. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. when she said that, I was like, yeah, I was like, you're not wrong. Oh my goodness. Uh, I was like, this guy's a good looking guy. And then as the song is going, I'm like looking over at Grace, and then I turned to her and I go, you're, you're my girl, you're my girlfriend. Say it. Yeah, you're you're mine. Say it, say it, say it, say. It. And, she was, and we we're like making a joke out of it, but yeah. it was one of those like on the most microcosmic scale. It was like I need to hear out loud yes. that you are not going, that you're not truly interested in the rock star that's on stage, <laughs> and that you understand that this is a that. And he was, she was like, yes, of course, yes, 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 yes. and it was very funny and cute. Yeah, but yeah. it was that like, say it, say, say it. it, name it, yeah, yeah. name it, name it. Yeah. <laughs> say it out loud that you that this is that I so I can feel comfortable. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Then the whole concert was incredible. Well, uh, was... and by the way, you know, obviously, uh, Peep Show. Uh, let's take a drink. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Where uh, Mark Jazz says that he's going to therapy. Mark pays for the therapy and then sees that he's in this Indian restaurant yeah, instead yeah. of going to therapy, and he knows that Jazz didn't go to the therapist. Jazz yeah. realizes Mark knows, but until Mark actually, or sorry, until Jazz actually says it, change can't happen. Yeah. This weird thing where, he, that's why, why, why do you need me to say it? You already know the answer. Like, no, there's this really interesting power in in subjectivizing the knowledge you have. It's also just like, I, I feel like we, uh, it's just assuming stuff. It's like, well, you don't want to, no one wants to assume anything. Yeah. So it's like, if you, if you don't speak it, you can just go on being like, well, I just, 
it's just an assumption. I just assume, maybe I'm wrong, you know. Yeah. And and people, I think, use that as a comfort from the truth that they actually inherently know. Uh, yeah, like yeah. they're like, oh, I well, you know, who really knows? Like maybe I'm just assuming that, and I could be totally wrong. And there's no point in actually speaking it because, does it, but actually, they know that what yeah, they're yeah. saying is correct, or yeah. what they're assuming is correct. Yeah, there anyway, you go. Yeah, so so that like, that's it for today, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, see that. So it's step step zero, and then it's the very the step that's beyond the last step, and it's interconnected. If step zero is verbalizing basically and by the way this is what Columbo does and Shizak talks about this and, and Columbo is like my favourite show I haven't watched it for years but he's, I've seen every episode yeah. multiple times and the the thing about Columbo is they tell you who does the crime at the very beginning in fact you see the criminal do the crime so it's not like a usual detective show often in a detective show you don't know who did it or you don't know how they did it and that is revealed at the end but in Colombo, it's the opposite way around. You know exactly who did it. You know exactly how they did it. And then Colombo comes in. And Colombo is this figure who immediately knows who did it. Basically, in every episode, there's some small detail, some small contradiction. Like how many minutes into the episode does Colombo walk in and figure it out? He walks in about 10 minutes into the episode after cool. you've seen the whole crime. And basically, in almost every in almost every show, he will have worked out kind of who did it in the as soon as he walks on the crime scene. It'll wow. be it'll be what a genius! Yeah, it's brilliant. And then the whole thing is is just him uh, basically getting the criminal to admit that he or she did it. It's like it's the joy of it is watching how. Columbo takes the false narrative, which is the narrative the criminal wants you to imagine. Right? There's a false story the criminal's painted. This person died of natural causes because they're a smoker, they had a heart attack. Uh, and Columbo basically very gradually gets rid of the false narrative and connects the, the, what happened with uh, the true narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, of course, the criminal's like, yep, you got me. And uh, so that's kind of this process. The process is we all have false narratives about our lives. We all have false narratives about who we are and what we're like. Um, And the first step in change is to try to get our narrative to fit with our material reality. So for for the alcoholic, it's admit that they're an alcoholic rather than this notion that they're not and everything's fine. So that's step zero. And then the, the last bit of AA is great, which is, to be honest, um, the perpetual idea that you're always an alcoholic, which for me, and again, connects with the Hegelian notion that the contradiction always exists. You don't get rid of the contradiction. You learn to live with it. The steps allow you to manage it um, and to overcome the negative dimension of it. But the contradiction continues to exist. Now, this is not how AA describes it. I'm giving a more of a philosophical reflection on two dimensions of AA that I think are interesting. I mean, the fact that we're having drinks while talking about AA, I hope, clues people in that we're not... Yes, experts in the actual act of <laughs> actually AA. doing AA. I've got lots of friends like yourself probably who have sure. gone through AA and are in AA, but yeah, I've never I've yeah. never done it. I'm just interested because I think they caught something very clever uh, in in how they organize themselves, something yeah. utterly brilliant. And it's less to do with the steps than, for me, a community of grace. Yeah. yeah. It's just that, that feeling of, uh, of accepting and being like, okay, you, can, you, have, you don't need to do anything right yeah. now. And then allow that ironically. It's all that. It is, I mean, it is very in, uh, I don't know, antagonism. I don't know if that's the right word, but there's like a, always a fun thing of like, 
you if you want someone to change you try not to change it's all that fun like yeah like you just let let them be do you feel like the aa stuff is more applicable or or the theme that you're drawing from aa do you feel that this theme is more applicable to people who are them like is this something that is beneficial in how you treat others and versus how you behave yourself so like in my mind, I'm like, well, if I'm learning anything from this discussion or the idea of AA that you're talking about, it's that if I, if you want to, or if I want people in my life or if someone who I love or someone who I care about deeply to alter their behavior for the better, um, inter, it, you, there is a sense of like, well, so I should just accept them as they are. But I also feel like there's a limit to that. That's not necessarily healthy because you're sort of then like allowing someone to not, you're not truly being transparent with them. So it's inter, I, I mean, I guess there's a reason it's a group thing and there's a reason that it's a group, it's a community of people because on an individual basis, I don't know necessarily that I have the uh, patience or the wherewithal to give individual relationships the same environment that AA attempts to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Like you're saying, like what's less of a question there, more just yeah. me talking, but yeah. 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 So yeah, you're saying like, how does one put this into your life and your relationships? And yeah. The relationship yeah, yeah. versus yourself and being like, Oh, okay. I'm, I understand like why. So like if you're someone who is struggling with something or, or, uh, or an antagonism of life, the environment that you want to be in is one in which it's like, okay, like, great. Yeah. We got it. Um, I'm going through an interesting thing in my uh, therapeutic journey where it's like the similar thing where like in the, uh, he was like basically calling me out a little for the uh, selling a certain image of having it all together and being great and me being, I mean, you know, I do, I do great I get the NBC thing and thing, you know, got a good relationship and I'm, you know, this is happening and this is happening. And then he kind of was like, yeah, and he's like, something's, something's awry. And I'm always hesitant when that kind of thing happens because I'm so skeptical and I'm so like, is this the therapist thing where you're trying to like, you know, the, 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 the vibe that people get from therapy is that they're just going to tell you that something's wrong with you the entire time. Yeah. Um, the reality of course being that there is something wrong with you all the time. But um, it, it was, it's an interesting like mirror of a conversation that's happening yeah, yeah. because it was, it's that same thing of being like, he's like, you're, you're selling me something. Like you're yeah. selling me this image of you being this, you're so great. You're so good. You're so this, but then there's X and I'm like, yeah, yeah, there is all that. And he, he, the point he was making was it's like, He's like, I'm not telling you that the bad stuff is that bad or the good stuff isn't great. He's like, but you're not. He's like, you could come in here and you could be like, this is great, but you know what? Da, 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 da. He's like, instead, you're going, this is great. And also, blah, blah, blah. And then you describe something that's like horrible. And he's like speaking about integration and yeah. about being like this and, and, and accepting the good with the bad instead of being like, things are so great. Um, and yeah, you know, sometimes this other stuff is. Ha- it's yeah. like, well, th- this that's a really good point because. There's a yes, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> you got one. It's only been a year. I know. Good God, finally felt like it just God. in this episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, there's a great book by Todd McGowan called uh, Hegel After um, Emancipation After Hegel. Right? So it's not a sexy title. No, nope. very good book. Um, but uh, bad title. Bad title, you know, but it, well, for the academics, they love it. Of we course, love it. Yeah. It's actually, but it's a really good book. Annoyingly, um, we have to think of a sexier title for the second yeah. edition. I'll have to say that to him. Um, but uh, in it, he talks about the difference between contradiction and opposition. He says, what we tend to do 
when when faced with contradictions in our lives is we reduce them to oppositions and this is what ideology does so if there's a problem within society that is actually an, an, a deadlock what we then do is instead of it being a contradiction we say it's an opposition in other words there's those people out there are the reason there's goodies and baddies it's called splitting and we do this in our individual lives is we would prefer to um separate and split off the good and the bad as, as, and, and compartmentalize them as two different things and in society again we want to put the bad out there and the good is within us or mm. when we're a child we think the monster's under the bed the monster's within us but we want the monster to be under the bed and again with, with Hegelian philosophy the idea is that you have to avoid making contradictions oppositions and this is what AA avoids in AA you might go in and go like, I'm an alcoholic because my parents were terrible. Maybe the parents were terrible. I'm an alcoholic because I lost my job, all of this. And that's all fine. Go like, yep, that's all part of it. But part of AA is about saying that I need to take responsibility that this is in me. It's not all this stuff that's happened to me, but there's something of me that is within this. And this is a contradiction that is within me. So in other words, don't, there's always a desire to, to create goodies and baddies in our world and yeah. in our lives and in ourselves and the idea of contradiction is somehow and i not a i think it's different from uh integration but it's something it it's it's about bringing those two dimensions together yeah. realizing that, that 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 we are contradictory creatures good stuff yeah, yeah that's good stuff i think yeah. uh, the first step acknowledging powerlessness is interesting because yeah there is a um if you acknowledge powerlessness it means that there is you're you're basically going like, like the difference between the two things. If you're like, it, this happened because of this and because of this, and I this, and it's hereditary, and da, 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 da. it's like you're still not admitting powerlessness because powerless means that you are face to face with this thing and you can't defeat it. And all you do when you go, it's because of this, 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 is it's like, it, it does feel like you're distancing yourself from it. It's like, yeah. oh, well, I'm this, but it's because of, you know, yeah. like it's, I'm not like, I'm not like you guys. I'm like, this is, yeah. Yeah. And you see, it's like in the world of work, for example, if you're, if you're a pressed worker, if you're working and you can, it's very hard to pay the bills and you're in a situation where, like life is just really, really tough. Um, ideology will come along and will try to say, well, the reason why that's happening is because of these people who are maybe trying to take your job or uh, there's, there's you know, these people who are working for cheaper than you in another country. Whatever it is, ideology kind of often says, right, the problem is external to the society. Um, but actually... It's just outside our borders. Outside our borders in some sort of other... Um, but the contradiction within society is potentially no there's problems within our society that are that need to be addressed and it's not that an easy enemy if only if only we got rid of jews everything would be great if only we got rid of catholics we only we got rid of whatever it is you know whatever other that you think immigrants are, that you think are the problem um i want to i want um you to listen to the uh or watch the uh joe rogan bernie sanders moment on um because it was after the mass shootings mm. that happened and um it he was asking about mass shootings and what we should do about them and bernie's answer um regardless of of what you know people think of it or whatever the way he answers the question was very much in tune i think with what you're talking about because he basically was like there's no easy fix mm -hmm. he was like this is not something that is um 
uh, we have, he was like, I can just tell you the reality. He's like, we have, a, there's this many guns and we have a mental health thing. There is this aspect of it. There's this, bat, you know, there is the second amendment. And he kind of like list, lists all these things that kind of is our, uh, he wasn't selling like a solution. Yeah. And I very much admired that because it was like, it is such a, a thing and it's such a, on the forefront of everyone's mind right now. And to hear a mainstream politician sort of humbly be like, uh, you know, and how humble it truly means a politician. Yeah. You know, I never really trust entirely anything that they're saying, but like his ability to be like, yeah, this is, um, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here. It was very refreshing and yeah. it felt very nice to be like, okay, this isn't a, a, a snippet. This isn't yeah. something he read off of his like, political this is what i believe card it was very yeah. cool i mean yeah because there's basically two ways if you want to like put it into two simple directions you can take with these you know horrific things that are going on one of them is to see them as symptoms of a contradiction within society that there are internal contradictions and oppressions that are happening and these are the eruptions of that contradiction or you see you reduce it to an opposition if only we eliminated this group of people, then everything would be fine. So whenever whenever you hear any discourse on something like what's going on now, which, see, which sees the solution in the elimination of a group of people, whoever the group of people is, that's scapegoating. And that is reducing the, the contradiction that we need to address, reducing it to an opposition. To, to face it as a contradiction is to say, okay, these are symptoms that speak of which, some deadlock within our society that we need to address. Yeah, which I do think is a it's a process to go from one to the other. Like I I, I would submit that there is a natural anger that arises that makes oh, yeah. you go like this is the thing yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult. This is why even in, even if, in the if it's both in you can call it thought and being. So in the realm of logic and the realm of life and matter you see the tendency to try to avoid contradiction. So in philosophy, you have Heraclitus, you have Hegel, you have a few of them who do this, but often philosophy... Heraclitus? Heraclitus. Has he taken anything for it? Come on, everybody. <laughs> that's, wow, that's your first philosophy stand-up joke. Really? Like yeah. That. Well, that your opening one. Debate. <laughs> Debatable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, it's like, in philosophy, there is a desire to, as I say, get rid of contradictions, logical contradictions, which is called you know excluding uh, the law of contradiction all this but there's that and in reality as well our natural tendency is to try to avoid the contradictions of our lives it's natural we do it all the time we have to uh fight hard to learn how to uh to not respond like that and as you say it's fine to respond like that for a bit you know it's completely it's completely reasonable i um i uh was on. I did a Valley Cast about two hours ago, mm-hmm. um, which will come out a few days after this one does. And were, I were you doing Hegel on that one as well? Well, kind of. Uh, yeah. I'm always trying to sneak it in. No one will have it. But uh, that's why this thing is why we do this. Uh, but there was a YouTuber that went viral because she beat the crap out of her dog. Oh, yeah, on I camera. saw this the other day. I was wondering whether you knew her because I was going to text nope. you. you don't um, know. Yeah. Uh, don't don't know her she's kind of in that world of like what you think of now as a youtuber like mm-hmm. just kind of like ah, like loud and you know not my not my community of people mm-hmm. um well i hang out with loud people but not that kind of loud yeah, you know yeah, there's like yeah, that yeah. tone that they there's a way that they speak anyway um she supposedly accidentally 
uploaded unedited footage of her taking her Doberman, slamming into the ground, spitting on it, and just manhandling it and being yeah. like a dick to her dog. And uh, people basically called for and said it was animal abuse. She had a police investigation. That's as much as I know so far. But what I was talking about, and two points the point that I mentioned on the Valley cast, but then that I kind of regret the journey it took me to make the point is that the level of self-sabotage on that level is oh, yeah. insane That's to me. That's like, interesting. I didn't because, think of it like that. Yeah. yeah. I've been doing YouTube since 2012. I've n- never, ever, ever uploaded unedited footage. That makes yeah. no sense to me. I don't even know how that would happen. Yeah. And then you do it in a way that you then say, Oh, accidentally like, no one's at how how did you do that and it's like unless something on some level you wanted to or you were in a hurry maybe or you i have no idea so there's that part of it so there's a a certain like stuff to pick apart and kind of you know armchair psychoanalyze this person and be like did you kind of want people to see that you're a piece of shit um but then in the in talking about this on the valley cast i made a point i was like i don't want to be vitriolic about it and like very angry about it but then i would and i don't want to like be like yeah f this person and for sure i ended up just being like this f and and when i was done, I was like you did yeah you i got know, very yeah, yeah. like well you're a dog lover so i do love dogs, dogs yeah. touch, it does hit and some nerves I'm right sure, yeah i found out my dogs my killigan sick so that it was extra uh, uh very like so you were able to succeed in poisoning them finally yeah, did yeah. nice one. uh gilligan Gilligan, yeah, the dog, the other dog, yeah. Oh, no, which dog? dog? Oh, I'm thinking. Oh, <laughs> you're thinking of the other. You're thinking of the present dog. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's two dogs. Yeah. Oh no, your dog. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Fluff, oh, fluffball. Fluffball. Um, oh, but we don't. Oh. We. I got an email from uh, from my ex. It was very very kind, and it was very just like she's he's not he's got like a lump might be cancer and so but he's yeah. he's lived a good life okay so that's beside the point but I think because that was on my mind when this thing came up I was like. Oh, I hope that's not what you say whenever I come back on. Oh, yeah, I think I've got cancer. It's like, oh, well, you lived a good life. It will be. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, bye. <laughs> bye, see ya. <laughs> yeah. Just can't, Just one cancerous lump on yeah. your, uh, your arm. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it, I was, the point that I was making is mm. that thing, that anger that pops up that makes you go like, no, F this person. I love to think that I'm on the other side and like, well, you know, I, it's really, this is, and then people are just choosing to be mad. And it's like, sometimes you're like, no, F that person. Like, yeah, they, hit their, yeah. they spit on their dog. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bad person. And and you bring up a really, I didn't think of it until you said it, but you go like that. That's a mistake she made. But it, the difference between a mistake and a Freudian mistake, as most people know, is a Freudian mistake is a mistake that's the truth. It's a mistake that you make without meaning to that actually tells the truth. And I'm like, oh yeah, I wonder the whole idea or one of the ideas in psychoanalysis is if you do not speak the truth, the truth will speak. So if, you, if you're if you not able to do what in AA they do, which is to name the truth, the truth will shout. The truth will, the contradiction will erupt. Mm-hmm. And, Especially um, on the internet. People yeah. will demand it and they yeah. will dissect it until they find it but i know you're saying like yeah. on a unconscious level it will manifest itself and then so the question is which you brought up is like to what extent did she not consciously completely mistakenly but but put that up because in some way she was wanting to say to the world i am in suffering i am struggling i yeah. am in i am in turmoil no she she would never consciously think that but that's the interesting way to freudian slip is it it erupts it pushes out without you even wanting it to interesting you say that because her her public apology uh was like you know classic screen grab of text mm-hmm. but it was like you she was like i was having i'm 
like having a really bad I was having a bad week she was like I was just this is I'm not doing great and I was pretending to be and clearly I wasn't and I accidentally uploaded this I didn't spit on the dog I did treat the dog roughly I shouldn't have done that it's not animal abuse I love my dog blah 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 but it was two it was one going I'm in a bad place yeah. saying she was in a bad place and it was also still denying it and yeah. still being like oh it's because of this it's because of this it's because yeah. of this it's because of this and it's like that's when the internet now because of people being savvy are like nope you're we're gonna call your shit yeah. and it's it's not gonna go well I mean, it's her. not gonna go well for unfortunately like my i what i imagine especially because that type of youtuber from what i can tell and i don't know anything about her but it's often about presenting a certain type of life your life's yeah. together you it's it's aspirational and if you're doing that then that part of your life that is not good does not get to be seen by everybody and yeah. so you kind of like just looking at it from the outside you go like okay to what extent did she unconsciously really want to say to the world in some way this is not how i am there's another but because it's not basically it's an opposition because it's not a contradiction it hasn't been integrated into her youtube life it erupts in the most horrible way like and it's a horrible way like what dog, she yeah. did was horrible i saw what she did and as an animal lover a dog lover myself i was like whoa like that is just horrible yeah you and me are definitely both on probably top tier dog lovers yeah, in terms yeah. of loving truly loving dogs and then you see something like that and it's so enraging and so like and then combining that with living in tumultuous times i was but the funny thing is like like i saw not knowing who she was when i saw it i was like oh wow like she is just she is in a hard, she's in a difficult place and 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 she hasn't been able to integrate the contradiction she's yeah. made it into an ob- so there's this private life she has where she maybe i would maybe guess she erupts in anger or emotion maybe once a week once a month whatever there'll be an eruption and we saw one of them but and then and then she probably tries to pretend that everything's great which also goes to the 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 flip side of it is people know this this has been talked about a thousand times and specifically the youtube community of people going hey it's actually not all that great life is difficult this is a struggle and it's sort of an arc that i've seen anybody in my generation of youtube go through where Mm -hmm. eventually you just go hey this isn't that great so everyone knows it and then i think what also happens is like when something like this pops up it's so in line with what people already know and suspect Mm -hmm. but don't speak and don't don't, you know, like talk about them that when they do see it, they just latch on and they're yeah. like, there it is. I knew you were full of crap. I yeah. knew it. And it's like, yeah. And the problem is, which is not easy for you. It's like for anybody in the public eye is that even admitting it can become part of one's uh, image. And then it, it it's not going to be as effective. So if, if you're a YouTuber and then you're going right, which I think a lot of YouTubers have done, been, been very honest about the difficulties what can happen annoyingly and it's just no way around this is that can then become your uh image yeah and then and then it kind of rubs some of the power it's i think h3 h3 are a good example they're of this. very good at and they're very good because they i think genuinely they've they've been honest and they've they've tried to they have avoided it becoming their stick yeah you know um but but to their detriment as well like they don't do very much anymore i don't yeah. think so i um i did a thing where like at the beginning of like 2017 or something like that i did a video where i talked about being an alcoholic like i thought i was mm. i thought i was an alcoholic I and i was like yeah. my stuff was going on with my family and it was also the time where i was like there is something wrong with me and because of how bad my life quote unquote was and then i was like oh this must be it now and i had gone through so many things of like oh it's this and i'm a and i'm only to bring this up because for one it's related to alcohol and also i'm writing about it currently but like and going back on that time there was a thing of like 
I and then I did that, and then I also went on. Uh, me and Lee used to have a pop culture podcast called Shooting Stars, and on that I talked about my divorce and I talked about all the stuff surrounding that and uh, and infidelity and all these things. And I remember going like I was so secretive and so not talking about anything for mm. so long that if only I can be honest about what I'm going through, that will like remedy and solve everything. Like it's just about filleting myself and being like, this is everything. Unfortunately, I had such a myopic view of my own self and was only beginning to learn about myself that I think I overcorrected and it did result in people, the image, my image changing to this sort of like morose, sad, like Elliot's going through such a hard time and he's so da 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 da. And then I was like, now, especially this year and last year, it's like, I was like, this isn't, I'm not this like morose guy. Yeah. I just stopped trying to be happy all the time. But at the same time, I'm haunted by an oversharing basically of like my, what I thought was the case, what I thought I was being like, I'm going to be honest, just get it all out there. Um, and it had negative effects. Yeah. Although you are a great example of doing, I hate to say this as your friend, but a good example of doing it well. Oh, thank it you. It always pains me I know, to I'm be sorry. nice to you. But, um, you know, sometimes, of course, like a YouTuber, it, it can become part of their, say, image or whatever. But you, it's, it's not that you've just been very honest about these different dimensions of your life. Sure. And you talk, and this, like, for example, the fundamentalists, it's, it's very different. It's like you're, there's no uh, pretense. Is yeah, any, it feels like there's no pretense for either of us. It's like no. literally talking about, and so it's that's a great example of kind of how how do you be honest about the good and the bad in yeah. life, um, and not because my whole point. I think the one thing I'm trying to draw out in this episode, if there's anything, is is um, and it really became clear to me as we talked. It's a you know that that we try not to reduce our contradictions to oppositions. We try to, you know, not make enemies of the other. What's called beautiful soul. I am the beautiful soul and the evil is outside of me. But you somehow are able to um, uh, face up to and talk about the full dimension of your life in its in its various uh, and hold it like in the same hand and yeah. not be like this is a thing. oh I this I've been to yeah. yeah yeah so you know and it's it's consigned twee and there's a very there's a way what? which is not twee but a twee twee uh oh learning a new was oh, that right it's European word you guys taking a drink for that one oh yeah yeah twee means what does it mean? Sick or like a, like a superficial, like really a flaky. throwaway, flaky, like a, a like a a silly superficial Bluffed. insight. Yeah, but but actually, the the deep insight in it is like because what happens is so a symptom, basically a symptom at its most basic is a contradiction. You grind your teeth at night, for example, and the contradiction maybe is because you want to shout at your boss, but you're scared of losing your job. And so you've got this anger, but you can't speak it. And the contradiction arises as teeth grinding. And so you start there and the idea is, okay, you work out the contradiction, you face it. But the I'm on too much cocaine. Yeah, okay, yeah, that could be it. <laughs> you know, you you kind of start to resolve the contradictions. But the idea um, is that actually, instead of the, the 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 superficial, the kind of common sense notion that you can resolve the contradictions or you can get rid of them, um, that they're merely oppositions. Uh, no, the the key is actually what you do is you realize that there are deeper and deeper contradictions. That, and, and eventually you come to the deepest contradiction, which is your life. Life is itself a contradiction. Um, it, it is this, uh, uh, you know, it's hard to say, but, but, but life itself is a, is a 
how how would I say this in a non-philosophical way? Well, okay, you get to the point, this is a philosophical way of saying it, is that being and non-being are kind of... This are, is the non-philosophical yeah, this way? This is the philosophical <laughs> way. Yeah, yeah. Nailing it. Yeah, okay. No, all I'm going to say then is you get to a point where you realize that life itself is a type of becoming, a type of uh, weird contradiction between life and death. To exist is to exist within life and death. And... And when you get to the highest contradiction, this is called absolute knowing, when you, you get from the basic contradiction that your your boss is annoying you and you can't shout about it, right? That's a very small All contradiction. All the way. All the way Through to the realizing maze. that the universe is a contradiction and you're part of that. Well, once you get to that insight, then you are free. Yeah. And you can just die. That's happy. A beautiful. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that's your takeaway. Is that your takeaway? That's my takeaway. <laughs> Mine is that what happens is you realize that you're annoyed by someone and then in your journey, you run and you run and you run and you're seeking freedom and you're like, I'm going to find this paradise when everything is explained and everything is unified. And what happens to every single person is eventually you hit a wall and it's made of concrete, but there's a giant crack in the middle and you look through the crack and you try to see what it is, but there's, you just see black abyss because the, that is the end. It's just broken. Everything is cut. It doesn't, it's not unified. There's always going to be some kind of that you can't, and you're just like, eh, and there it is. That's it. So that I was mostly explaining what you did through sound effects. Yeah, that was beautiful. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's that it. That, that's it. And so for AA, what, what the philosophical lessons are one, um, how do we admit our contradiction, verbalize it? And two, how do we embrace it as as part of our lives and find freedom from that embrace. Love it. That's very beautiful. Um, speaking of death, as we wrap up here, folks, yeah. uh, hint, hint, please on August 20th, check out NBC's bring the funny. Yes. I will be on that. And, uh, it at 10 PM and, um, it may or may not have anything to do with death. And, uh, do you have any announcements, anything coming up that you want to chat about besides the fact that we're moving? No, I've got some courses coming up. If anybody wants to, you're doing C.S. Lewis course. Speaking of contradictions, yeah, and I've and and I've got a talk I'm giving on the notion of contradiction uh, in a couple of weeks at Patreon.com. Yeah, two discerning between two identical wines. Beautiful. Yeah, very cool. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks, Pete. Cheers. Bye bye. I'll.